Welcome to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast for anyone looking to stop letting life get in the way and start crushing bold goals. I'm your host, Sarah Mayer, and I'm thrilled to navigate this journey with you because it's time to start boldly achieving without working double time. So let's dive in. Hello, Bold Goal Crushers. I'm super excited about this episode. I think you are really going to enjoy the conversation that we are going to have today because my guest has had several books that cover all topics of goals. Shearston is a serial entrepreneur, a volunteer for SCORE, a small business mentorship program, and co-author of Get a Grip on Goals. GRIP is an effective goal management process that when followed can only result in success. And I know many of you listening have lots of goals for this year. So I'm super excited to have you on the show. Welcome. And I can't wait to dive into our conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me here, Sarah. Uh, Thanks. I want to first start off by you telling us a little bit about this GRIP system, because when I saw this in your bio, I knew that I needed to learn more. Let me first of all say that it was not my system. My sister is, is a certified coach, was a certified coach. I think she's moved on from that now. But And she came across it in her training. Neither of us can find it. So I implore anybody out there who knows where this originally came from to help us out because we'd love to give credit where credit is due. But what we did do is write it out into a usable format that people can now access. And it is a simple acronym that stands for goals, requirements, issues, and plan. Okay. Um, It sounds really easy, but what it is, is an iterative process because so many of the goal management systems out there kiss, I don't know, name a few of them. They never really get to the heart of the matter of figuring out what it is that you want and figuring out the path of how to get there. So often what ends up happening is you get these, what we call BHAG. I don't know if you use that too. (laughs) Big hairy goals. And, and we're so excited about diving in and we get going after a while, we just lose momentum and we just don't get there. And then we just lose one more opportunity to get what it is that we really want. And the frustrating thing is that we don't really know how or why this happened, right? So the goal of GRIP is to have an iterative process and you can actually start anywhere in the process. The book itself starts it at goals because some of us do actually know what we want and it allows us to start identifying requirements. What is it going to take to get there? Because honestly, if you, there weren't requirements, you'd already have it. You'd already be there, right? Okay. And then the issues. What is it that's standing in the way between here and there? And then what is your plan? Okay. So the nice thing is that if you don't know what it is that you want, you don't really know how to write up an an actual effective goal, you can start with issues. What is it you don't like about your life, your job, your relationship, whatever it is that you're trying to change? Sounds like a laundry list of complaints. But when it comes down to it, it's that laundry list of complaints that will allow you to surface. What are the requirements to get me away from those complaints? And ultimately, it will help you not only develop a well-worded goal, but also develop a plan. I love that you can start anywhere because I think so often we have people who are like, oh, you got to get some smart goals. And they're like, okay. And 
spoiler alert, I'm not a big fan of smart goals, but they're like, I don't know where to start. And is this even realistic? And so in your process, you're saying that somebody could start with I, which is really just thinking about what are the issues, what's stopping them, or they could start with the goals if they already have them and just move into the next step. But it also sounds like this is a process that you don't just do once. You can go through it over and over and over. You are spot on with that, Sarah. And that is one of the things that's so important about this is because not only can you start anywhere, you can you should also use it continuously until you get what it is that you want. And then you're going to start with a new goal. Or I have I've got grips started all over the place, whether it's just how to get through my day all the way to my five-year plan. And to speak to your idea about starting anywhere, oftentimes we, we're pretty happy with our lives, and, but we just don't know where we're going, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that we necessarily want to change anything. We've got a good marriage. We've got two lovely kids. We like our job. But it's, it's starting to feel like maybe in five years, I'm not going to be so happy with this. So you can look at your plan. What do you do every single day? That's obviously your plan because you're doing it, right? You get up every morning, you go to work. You go every Saturday, you go to soccer practice or whatever it is that that you do. And you just look like, if I follow this plan, where am I going to get? And that spells out your goal. You're like, and then you can decide whether or not you're happy with that or if that's not going to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so remind me what R stands for. R stands for the requirements. Requirements. Yeah. That's really where we're getting down into the nitty gritty of what do I have to do? That's where your action items come from, where you build your plan and your requirements work hand in hand, where your issues and your goals, your issues are really your anti-goals. What do I not like versus your goals are, what do I think I want? Yeah. And, and I think so many times with requirements, it's easy to have to put out a big, uh, I like to call them bold goals. It's easy to put out a wild goal. Like, I would love to write a book and be a best-selling author. But then there's some requirements that need to happen. Yeah. Like I, I need to be able, I need to write actually yeah. or, or figure to... out how to write. But also then how do I market a book to become a best-selling author? Because I could write a fabulous book, but if nobody reads it, I won't get there. So I love that you call it requirements. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's thing we need, things we need to learn. Are there other things that kind of fall into the requirements category that are stopping points for people? Let's talk a little bit about stopping points because I think that's, people don't understand why they don't do things. We all have these ideas. I'm just going to get up and I'm going to run five miles, right? (laughs) Then the morning comes like, why didn't I, you get to the end of the day and you're like, why didn't I run five miles? There's only really four buckets that, that kind of encompass all the reasons we don't do things. We don't do things because we compare ourselves to others. We don't do things because um, of obstacles. We don't do things because of self-judgment in general or predictions. And let's dive into those a little bit more. Comparisons, in a, obviously, these are very generalized terms. But think about comparisons as been like, oh, why should I do this? Sally does it so much better. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not capable of this. That might also fall into the judgment category of Sally does it so much better and I suck. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're not really motivated to do that, are you? Or the obstacles. It's going to be so hard. It's so cold out there. I don't want to run five miles. It's really cold. I'll do it tomorrow. Or or predictions. Oh, this is really going to suck. It must be cold out there. I don't know if it's cold out there, but or I'm going to hurt myself if I go out. We have every excuse you can come up with for not doing something. 
falls into one of these four categories in some way or combination of these categories. And so that's where your plan really comes into place, where if you don't follow your plan, if your goal is to drop 10 pounds and you've decided that running five miles three days a week is absolutely critical for that to happen. Then you get to the end of the week and you haven't, you, you put that in your plan. You require, here's my goal. I'm going to lose five pounds. Requirement, I'm going to run five miles three days a week. My issue is I want to lose. I, I feel overweight. That's what, you know, I want to fit into my wedding dress in six weeks. That's the issue. Yeah. Then the plan is I'm going to run three days a week and I'm going to run Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So Friday afternoon comes and you haven't run once. Now it's up to you to go in and dig in to find why. Because now your new issue is I don't follow my plan. Mm. So now I have a new requirement. I have to discover what my avoidance technique is. Am I comparing myself? Am I, am I going to say, oh, it's never going to work anyway. I'll never lose the weight. What is, so now I have a new requirement. I've surfaced an issue by not following my plan. And now I have to revise my goal a little bit. My goal is it has to encompass the requirement that I discover why I self-sabotage. Yeah. I really love the process that you walked us through because I think so many times people have a setback and then they're like, I'm just not meant to accomplish this. Yes. I, I always use my one client who I, I don't work with a lot of clients who have health goals. That's not really my and it may be one of their goals, but not the main focus just because of what I do. But one of her major goals was health related. And she put on the back of her front door three circles. And she basically said, I'm going to work out three times this week, every week. And if I don't, by Sunday, all these circles have to have the date in them. And if I don't on Sunday, then my accountability mechanism for myself is that I will work out three times on Sunday. And so what that happened one Sunday and she's I went for a swim, I went for a bike and a run. She I basically did a triathlon that day and that never <laughs> happened again. Should I never right. let myself get into that situation again? <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And that's what she did was she looked at her avoidance. And push it. It was like, it's going to be worse if I don't do it. Because that is, the prediction is this is going to suck. And what she did is she, she used that to her advantage. She said, it's going to suck worse if I don't. Yep. Yeah. And so now every week, she still, to this day, I've talked to her a couple of times. I haven't worked with her in a couple of years, but talked to her a couple of times. She's, I still have the circles on my door. That's and awesome. It, wor it works for her. But I think it's also about finding what works for you. Everybody has a different situation and different priorities. So how might they use this system to ebb and flow where they're at in their goals? Because some of their big goals may be way far <laughs> down the line. And I think you, you brought up a really good point because we have these day-to-day -day goals that get us from point A to point B. We have mm -hmm. weekly goals, monthly goals, five-year goals, 10-year goals, life goals. And how do you keep all that straight? I happen to keep it straight in a big notebook. <laughs> Yeah, but that, there's lots of ways. And, and the process can be, instead of circular, let's say spiral, because you can spiral, do small goals, spiraling up into these bigger goals all the way up, or start in the middle, make sure that the small goals get addressed below it and the big goals get addressed uh, above it. And that's, again, the reason why I love this system so much is because of its ability to meet anyone where they are. 
and that it forces people not only to address what it is that they don't like about their life, but what they do like about their life, because we all have something we like. We have basically six human needs, right? The need for safety, the need for adventure, the need for belonging, but the need to feel unique, the need to grow and the need to contribute. So any goal has got to have some, it needs to, to definitely fulfill at least one of those. And a really solid goal usually has some component that, that of each one of those goals. Now, they can contradict because the need to feel, to need to belong, for example, can, you can belong so tightly that you don't ever pay attention to your own personal needs and, it, and, and you're defined by the group that you belong to. And that gets hard. You need to push back and find some individuality, right? And a, and a good, solid goal will help you do that. Being yeah. able to find where in your life you're missing out on one, one or more of those six basic human needs will help you start to dial in at least that first step of a goal. And then the process allows you to revise the goal until it encompasses more of what it is that you're trying to achieve. So the first time your first draft of a goal is really that. It's just a first draft. You're going to surface bits and pieces as you grow through this process. And that goal ultimately will be refined. Because what you find is if your avoidance techniques are really coming down to, I just really don't want to do this, you might need to look at your goal and why you started place. If your goal is to become a doctor, was it because you really wanted to serve the community or was it because you really just wanted to belong to your family and all your whole family is doctors? That's a great point, hitting that on. And if I'm hearing you correctly, sometimes for these bigger goals, you said you have lots of grips. And so sometimes for these bigger goals, when you get into requirements, one of the requirements might actually become its own grip, right? Its own goal. Yep. Like, yes, I require a property to have, build a homestead. And so a goal may be saving for the down payment of that property. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the, I find that good organizational structure helps with these because the thing is, is that so often with our goals, we try and keep it all in our head. It doesn't live there very well, not for very long, because you, it, it gets very cluttered. I find that people who are most successful in anything in their life tend to have some sort of an organizational structure, whether it's notebooks. I tend to do digital more because I work from lots of different places like you do. Maybe not the Bahamas, but <laughs> or Arizona or wherever you get to go. Um, but I do, I, you, you can use things like Google Docs is a great way because it's accessible from any one of your devices. I use Trello. There's Notable, ClickUp. There's lots of different ways to organize all of this information so that you have some way to be able to look. Is this part of the bigger picture grip or is this my grip for today? Because my goal for today is to get all the way through today, meeting all of my expectations yeah. for myself, the commitments that I've set for myself, get my kids to soccer practice, get everybody fed. And get to bed on time. Yeah. Um, and that if you're trying to keep that all in your head, not using a calendar or some sort of organizational system, it gets a lot to juggle. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting as humans, we maybe not everybody, but a lot of people have notebook upon notebook of to do lists, blank notebooks, journal, all these different notebooks that they're tracking, all the things they have to do. They have to-do list on their computer. And then we, a lot of people use email as a to-do list. 
which newsflash, it's for communication. It's not the most effective <laughs> to-do list right there. Don't email yourself, right? Yeah. Anyway, so people have all these containers to collect things they need to do. But I love that you bring up that the most successful people write down their goals. Because when we don't write down our goals, they don't actually end up in our to-do list from what I found. And so right. then it's, I'll do that someday, maybe. And I do have to say, I'm a huge proponent of sharing your goals and your wishes. I know those people like, you can't tell a wish. Like, yes, you certainly can. How do you expect people to help you make it come true? Yeah. Because sharing your goals helps saying it out loud to somebody who you respect and care about. It helps you judge whether or not it's actually realistic and reminds you that it's important to you. If it's important enough to your heart, it's important enough to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And in reality, if somebody doesn't believe in your goals, it, it's they're pro they may not be your people or it comes from their own fear. True. And here's the thing is if you work it through the grip process, you see how it works and you don't have to convince them. I see so many people, though, like you said, let's go back to the I'm going to write a book. I'm going to be a bestselling author. It's a really hard career. How yeah. are you going to get there? That's not something I'm going to be an NFL football player. You do know that's 10% of the of the people who have ever played football in their entire lives yeah. make it to the NFL, right? When you have these these giant goals, I am never one to tell somebody, like I said, I'm a score mentor. And I yeah. people who come to me are entrepreneurs. They have all these ideas, constant ideas. And I really drill them in. I believe in your goal. I'm all for it. So let's plan it out. And if there's not a plan to get from mm -hmm. here to there, it's not achievable. Mm -hmm. So come up with a new goal. You've got lots of ideas. Let's find another one. Yeah. And I think oftentimes people are focused on the results rather than the goal. So I haven't found an easier way to explain this, but it's if you want to get healthy and you're focused on the scale instead of the exercise and how you're eating, the result is the change in the scale. And the other example is if I were to say I want to become a competitive swimmer and I want to win more medals than Michael Phelps. You may say that's not realistic, but that's the result of the hard work of becoming a competitive swimmer and all the time I'm going to put into that. And so I think sometimes we don't know necessarily how to set a good goal. So on the G part, I know we went backwards, but on the G part, you start like, anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you can start anywhere. There you go. Uh, how like how does one actually set a good goal that will motivate them and and not end up being deflating because it's maybe not the best in the best format or the best way for them to move forward? And that's a, a absolutely fantastic question. And I will go back just a little bit because one of the key things is if you don't want the journey, you probably don't want the goal. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the absolutely critical things is people always talk about walk your walk, talk your talk, and then make sure it gets you where you want to go on the map. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but the key here with with a, a well-written goal is something that is definable, something that is within your grasp, and something that is flexible, right? People often say, and I use health and weight as an example, because there's so many people who yeah. write that as a goal, but fail, right? Or like grades, for example, I want to get all A's. But you know, yeah. that's actually, that's not actually in your control. You yeah. have no idea exactly. how the teacher might take 
uh, umbrage with you and you mark you down just to mark you down. That's not up to you. What your goal is, then when you look at it, is something that is under your control is I want to prepare myself to learn as much as I can about this subject matter to, the, to do the best of my ability within this class, right? You don't have the ability to, some people say, I want to get this specific job with this specific company. Again, you're not the one doing the hiring. <laughs> so that's the, the key thing is to make sure that it's something that's actually under your control. Make sure that it is flexible. If you say, for example, uh, trying to think of a, a good example, but having, you know, it, if you want to reach out to a person, instead of saying, I want to reach this person by phone, that person might not take phone calls. They might live in the middle of nowhere, right? But you might want to say, I want to connect with this person, right? So using language that is flexible and open to allowing the universe to help you get what it is that you want. And again, something that is specifically under your control, not trying to tell somebody else what they're going to do for you. Yeah. And I think so many people get hung up on the measurement part. They'll say, like, for your connection example, they'll say, I can't measure that. Whereas if I said, I want to call the, I'm going to call them on the phone, like it's done. Yes, you absolutely can measure that. And you can create those metrics every week by one of the things that I recommend my clients do is at the end of the week, did I feel connected to my spouse on a scale of one to five? What did that look like that this week? So you can create ways to measure things that maybe don't feel measurable naturally. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And that's for sure. The, and that's where the flexible language comes in and being able to utilize things that change something that isn't under your control. So you may want to, instead of saying, I, I want to connect with my husband more often. Okay. So this week I say, I want to do my part to connect in my relationship. So you leave them little notes. Boom. You did it. You did your part. And if at the end, your goal might be to, I want to feel more, more connected in my relationships in general. Giving to get is going to be important. But it, at the end of the day, if you're not getting, if your issue is it's not being reciprocated, you now have a new requirement. My requirement is to speak with my husband, letting him know what my needs are. If he still doesn't do anything about it, you're going to have a whole new, that may lead you to other things. If you just can't get what you need out of something, then it's time to maybe shift the goal, you know, is to see whether or not that goal is still working for you ultimately. Yeah. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit because when we do start to think about our goals, we we also have all these other things that may be not big goals or they may be not our ultimate <laughs> drive that we need to do. And we have kids and we have relationships and other people piling stuff on our to-do list. Sure. So what's the best way to really infuse the work that we're working on our goals into our daily life? So there's a couple of different things. I use two different ways of describing when I set a plan. Plans must have either a specific time and date. I'm doing it Friday at three o'clock. Or what I call trigger events, because a lot of the goals that we have, like you said, we get derailed. I, I actually, as I was going through the editing of this book, was really struggling because I, I was going to do this. There was no two ways about it. It was in an old format. It needed to be updated. There was new information. It needed to be updated. 
it needed to have a second edition. And it got put off for two years. It was awful. I got like a chapter done in that, those two years because I kept getting derailed because of all the other fires burning down around me, right? So I started using what I refer to as trigger events. And ultimately, what it came down to is when I had small time, that was my definition of it. If I had 10, 20 minutes that I just found like I could do anything, I've got 10, 20 minutes to myself. Just put the kids down to bed and my husband's not back from work yet and I'm... I've got a few minutes to myself. I'm going to work on this. With those trigger events, I'm going to take the time and I'm going to, even if it's just two sentences, okay? And that allows to have, to make progress at your own pace in your own way. And you find that, honestly, progress breeds progress. When you find that you, one of my obstacles for me was if I didn't feel like I was making any progress, oh, I don't even know where to start. It's been so long since I even looked at it. Now I do. I put big flags on it and I said, hey, you left off here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the next time I had 10 minutes, I can make progress. Yeah. And, and I found this when I've had to tackle some very impossible things. One is I formed a nonprofit with a bunch of friends and I have this, everybody has this friend who gives out jobs, which is great. Sure. And the job that I received was the IRS paperwork, which was 276 questions. Fun. And I got, yeah, really fun. And I kept getting stuck on the second question, which is so simple, address. But all I could think about was, do I need a post office box? Do I use my address? Do we, what? And I would stop. Yeah. But what I found is when I actually put it in my calendar as an hour long appointment to work on that application, I skipped around, but I was able to get it done because I made it a priority and an appointment. When I wasn't doing that, I'd look at the second question. I'd be like, oh, my desk is a mess. I should probably do this. And oh, should check my email. I found that <laughs> I tended to go back to things that were easy, that I could easily do because it was overwhelming. So actually, great segue, and I appreciate mm -hmm. it. You just surfaced the reason for my uh, next book, which is in the works currently, and it is called Time Diet. And what we look at when we aren't achieving our plan, right? So you get segued right at that point. We're like, I can't get past this point, right? It's, it, there's usually an avoidance technique in there that you're using. Yeah. And for you, it was that obstacle of this is hard and I don't know how to answer it. Stop, full stop. So in our Time Diet, what we do is a lot of times our days go like that, where we are, there's only two things that, that really happen that, that derail us is either, if at the end of the day, we don't get the things done that we wanted to, obviously there's obstacles there, but it's either because we aren't using our time effectively. And that's, we either have too much on our plate or we're not using our time effectively. Those are the only two reasons, right? Oh. And if we're not using our time effectively, it's usually because one of these avoidance techniques, right? If there's too much on your plate, if you're one of those people that you're trying to cram five pounds of whatever in a two pound bag, okay, you need to trim what we call slay little darlings. You're not going to be able to get it done. Move on. You figure out exactly what you have. And that's part of the time diet where I tend to like to break things into 20 minute chunks. Okay. And the reason why is because 15 minutes, there's four of four chunks in it. It's too little to actually get focus and into a rhythm. Okay. Half an hour is two. There's only two of them. And it's too much time. We waste time. Yeah. Those 30, those 20 minute chunks, there's three of them. You can get a lot done. 
you can take a break. You can work the first one and the second one, or the first one and the third one, not work the second one. Do something for yourself. Get up, walk around, go to the water cooler and meet the rest of your colleagues, connect with people, answer emails, clean your desk, whatever. But just about any task can be focused on for 20 minutes. And if it can't, then we have in the time diet, we have the right to break it into a 10-minute chunk. If we really need to, we can break it into five-minute chunks. And you are going to work. You're going to focus. You're going to turn your phone on uh, Do Not Disturb. You're not going to do anything but get five minutes worth of that work done. We use a technique called June bugging. Do you know what a June bug is? No. It's that little bug that kind of bounces around. They just hop from one place to another. I find being completely ADD myself that June bugging is super helpful. I use my smartwatch. I set it. If if, If I'm focused and I'm doing my 20 minute chunks, I will set it for 20 minutes. And I will have got a list of to do's. I'm allowed to work on any of those to do's that I want, but I have to work on it for 20 minutes. If I find that I'm avoiding, I'm you know just not able to do it. I'll break it into those five, as little as those five minute chunks and bounce from one thing to another, because you'll find that if I only have five minutes, I'm going to answer that question, that that address question. I'm going to move on because if I just get that and I'm allowed if I get my ta- if I get my task work done, I'm allowed to move on to something else. So I can use that if I get, say I'm scheduled 20 minutes to get something done, right? And I get it done. I'm allowed to use that time for anything I want. Yeah. I used to play this trick at work where I would schedule one of my most important things that I needed to do for the day at 4 p.m. for an hour. I'll try this 20 20 minute thing, but I would play the game of how quickly can I get this done? Because as soon as I get it done, I get to go home. I I like that. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. No, and those those are all, they're mental hacks. What we're trying to do is to get around our avoidance techniques. Understanding what our avoidance technique is and those four. Are we comparing ourselves to others or the situation to other situations? Are we looking for obstacles, meaning it's too hard, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too this, it's too that? Are we judging ourselves? I'm not capable. I'm, I've got imposter syndrome. This isn't really me. This isn't what I want. I'm doing this for somebody else. All of those things fall under, under the self-judgment or the predictions. This is going to suck. This is, I'm, I'm not going to be any good anyway. Why would I put words on a page that no one's going to read? So dial into, trust me, there's a lot of books that, that address these. That's not in my purview just yet, but identifying what your obstacle is, what your avoidance technique is. It's a great self-discovery journey. Being self-aware is one of the key ways to get what you want to get. Yeah. I could talk to you all day. I love this conversation. You and I speak the same language. And I've also struggled with this myself. Many of the listeners struggle with this of actually taking their goals and putting it into action. If somebody's listening today and they're like, oh my gosh, I just love this. How would they connect with you and what might they expect? Uh, there's a couple of great ways to connect with me. When, if it happens to be a business question, I always send everybody to SCORE, which is part, they are, it's the service core of retired engineers. I'm not retired, sorry, but it is a small business uh, mentorship and it's a great way. They do have a way of connecting to me specifically, but there's tons of great mentors to help you reach those goals. You can also reach out to me on my Facebook page, which is Devata Solutions is my consulting company. And I have a website under devatasolutions.com. 
a Facebook page that goes along with that. And then I have a goal-specific Facebook group called Get a Grip. And that group is, everything here is just getting going as far as the consulting company's been in, in business for years. But realizing that there are people out there who would like some of this information that don't always find me on the website. I did start recently the Facebook page and the Grip Goal group. And at this point, literally, you can get one-on-one -on -one help from me or my sister. And getting in early on a, a great community of goal-oriented people. Those are probably the best ways to reach out to me. Of course, my book is available on Amazon. It is still a little challenging to find, but it's getting more popular, so it may pop up sooner on your search. If you are searching for it, type in Get a Grip on Goals. And my sister's name, Kim Vibrock, she was the lead on the book, mostly because she's older than me. Don't tell her that. <laughs> and Sherston Klein. That will bring it right up. Uh, if you're having problems finding it, there are links to it in, on both my Facebook page and my website page. Awesome. I love it. I love this conversation. I'm so excited for the listeners to check this out and connect with you. I'll link all those links in the show notes. So if you're looking for the book or you're looking to connect, you'll be able to find that in the notes. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. I just think that everybody's going to love this episode. I truly loved connecting with you. Sarah, I really appreciate it. I'm very passionate about goals and love to help. Awesome. All right, bold goal crushers. It's time to get out there and crush your goals and everything that gets in the way so you do not have to work double time. So let's get to it. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast where we crush goals and everything that gets in the way. I always love to support my community. I look forward to seeing you crush your goals this year.